Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Happy New Year. Uh, hope that you had a great holiday season. Hope that you had uh, maybe some time to celebrate with family or friends, Christmas, New Year's, and maybe that you even had a little bit of time to rest and relax over the last couple of weeks. But but welcome to 2024 and uh, welcome to the Edge Church. My name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here. Really glad to have you tuning in today as we kick off a brand new sermon series. And one of the rhythms that we have established as a church over the years uh, is that we begin each year really with a, a month-long season of prayer. And, and that's not to say that we don't pray the rest of the year, or that we like take a break from prayer, but 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 really that we start with prayer as a catalyst, as, as kind of like a shot in the arm to, to revive our heart and soul and get us re-centered and realigned to the person and the purpose of God to us and through us. And, and, and so we're going to begin again uh, anew today uh, with a posture and a practice of prayer and contending for the things of God's heart. Because let me tell you something that the scriptures teach us um, over and over and over again. You can test me on this, look into this for yourself, but, 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 but every major outpouring of God's spirit on God's people from the Old Testament into the new, starting with the very first church, we learned about this back in the book of Acts. Every single one of these movements of God were all built on the very same foundation, and that foundation was prayer. And, and so, can I suggest to you today that if we want to see and experience a great move of God in our life, a great move of God in our family, a great move of God in our city and neighborhood, a great move of God in our church and in our world, then we are going to build on that very same foundation of prayer. And so that's what we're going to dig into for the next month. I want to start with just a prayer, ask God to, to speak to us and move in our time together. So if you pray with me, Father, thank you for this time that we have right now. God, thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're here. God, thank you that you listen, that you respond. God, I pray that you would teach us today. Lord, open our ears to hear from you. God, open our hearts to receive from you. God, lead us into all that you have for us. Well, God, teach us, I pray. We just commit this time to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So th think about this, okay? Three years. Three years is all that Jesus had for his public ministry. Just three years. And in that three years, he, he literally changed all of human history as we know it. I mean, that's less time than it takes to graduate from high school or from college, right? Like three years, it, it goes by really fast. I, I don't know about you, for, but for me, it doesn't seem like COVID was that long ago, but that, was, that started almost four years ago already. But what we see with Jesus is that in light of this great work, this great mission that he was given, and, and to do it in such a short amount of time that Jesus spent much of it in prayer. In Mark chapter 1, it tells us that, that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up to pray. For all that Jesus was given to do, Jesus prioritized prayer. Think about that. Jesus had so much to do in such a short amount of time that he spent it in prayer. What does that teach us? What does that say to you 
about the importance of prayer in light of all that you have to do. Now, now Jesus' disciples, they're watching him this whole time, right? Like, like they saw his fervency and his passion and his persistence when it came to prayer. And eventually, after watching him pray, they come to Jesus and one of them says to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Right? Have you ever asked that of God? Have you ever said, like, Lord, teach me to pray? Like, there, there's a lot of great teaching that's out there on prayer. There's, there's a lot of books at the bookstore that you can buy about teaching. A lot of that is really helpful. But, but at the end of the day, like, wouldn't you love to learn about prayer from the master himself? And, and so Jesus, he, he teaches them to pray in Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 9. He says, this then is how you should pray. And Jesus proceeds to teach them a, a prayer that many of us today know as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, if you know it, right, go something like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And depending on where you grew up, you might end with, for thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. Does that sound familiar to you? Uh, for, for me, I learned that when I was a kid. Growing up in the in the CRC church, it was like something that we learned and, and and a prayer that we prayed every single Sunday. And so so I was like seven years old when I learned that prayer. I had no idea what it meant, but 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 I could say those words. It's just what we did. It was a ritual. Now, Jesus actually came to start a movement of the kingdom of God on earth. And he gave to his disciples this prayer really to be a guide and, and a foundation for them as they continued on in his work as his ambassadors. And, and the sad irony of the fate of this prayer in the history of the church is that for many of us, it really just has become a dead ritual. It's just words that we recite. We can get so familiar with the scriptures, right? That, that that's, we just kind of shut off our brains and go into autopilot. Right? We end up becoming like the Pharisees that Jesus chastises when he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Because the problem here isn't with the prayer, right? It's with us. And we've lost the essence of what Jesus wanted us to have in this prayer. See, see when Jesus says that this then is how you should pray, I, I think Jesus actually means that. Like, like, I don't think Jesus is giving us a rule so much, but, but, but I think what Jesus is giving to us is a, a gift, a proactive means of cultivating in our life a rhythm of prayer. See, see, for a lot of us, prayer is mostly reactive. I think if we're honest, right? Like it, it mostly is like something happens and we go like, oh, wow, I should probably pray about that. And then sometimes we do, Right. But, but, but Jesus here is inviting us into a proactive rhythm of prayer. Uh, the, his prayer, likely uh, daily he intended for this to be prayed so that each of us uh, every day would become participants in his kingdom movement on the earth. And so, so we're going to look at this together and try to grab the heart of God, Jesus' heart for prayer uh, here in Matthew chapter 6. And so, so in verses 9 through 13, it says this. It says, this then, Jesus says, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the prayer that Jesus gives us to pray. 
And, and notice really that there's two parts here to this prayer. The first section is all about this address to the Father. It's all, all the yours, right? Like your name and, and your kingdom and your will, right? But the, but the second section then shifts to three main petitions for the community of God's people. It says, it says give us daily bread, right? Like, like forgive us, lead us not into temptation. Pretty straightforward, right? Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but, but, but it seems to be that, that Jesus is structuring this prayer uh, according to the great commandment that he gave to us, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And, and the second one is like it. He says to love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus in this prayer is like making those two things a priority, loving God and loving one another. He's, he's kind of consolidating this big view of God and his heart and what he wants for us as his disciples with each line reflecting something that we need in our life. And so, so, so he kicks it off with this phrase, our Father in heaven. Now, now, now Jesus could have picked any title, right? He could have picked any title used to address God here. Like there's, there's a lot of titles that the scriptures use for God, but, but, but Jesus specifically picks this one, Father, because Jesus wants us to understand and to hold something really important about our God, and it's that our God is Father and we are His kids. And this title for God is, is unique compared to other faiths. In fact, first century Jews would have been like shocked by this. They wouldn't even pronounce God's name, Yahweh, out of reverence for how holy and sacred that name was. This is God Almighty to them. Right? So the idea of God being a father who is close and, and, and who's tender towards us and who's concerned about us and the, our affairs would be shocking. And, and Jesus, as he speaks, goes even further because as he teaches, he calls God Abba, right? which means like daddy. It's this like intimate way of understanding a dad. It speaks to the intimacy of the relationship. And it's the same intimacy that Jesus is inviting us into with himself, that we would come to God as our father as dad. 1 John 3, 1 tells us, it says, how great is the love that the father has lavished on us, that we will be called children of God, and that is what we are. Prayer is then first about a relationship with God, right? And, and this separates the God of the scriptures from every other use of that word God. Jesus is, is giving to us in prayer. He's given us this prayer to remember who we're coming to, right? Jesus knows that there's going to be cultural and religious uh, forces that, that will use this title of God that don't have anything to do with the God of Scripture, that don't have anything to do with God the Father, Jesus' Son. And so he's defining God for us as Father. And in Jesus, we know the Father's heart, that he's gracious, that he loves extravagantly, that he's generous, that he's just, that he's a God who is moving towards us, a God who is seeking the lost, inviting us to repentance and forgiveness, inviting us to himself and life in him. And, and this God is so different from a cultural view of God, right? The, a God who's volatile, like this volatile, angry, absent landlord, right? Distant from us and just waiting to drop the hammer on us. Jesus says to us, that, that's not our God. No, no, no. Our God is Father. And when we remember we're coming to dad, it affects how we come to him. See, what every father desires most is relationship. 
I, I, I love my kids, right? And as much as I love my kids listening to me and obeying me, right? It's not, it's not all that there is to the relationship, right? If, that, if that's all it was, I'd be really disappointed as a dad. If, if it's just like rules and them doing what I want them to do, right? It's, it's more than that, isn't it? Like, like you want relationship as a father. You want to be with your kids and share with your kids, right? You want love. It, is that what your prayer life looks like? Does it look like being with your father who loves you? See, the sweetest and the best time of your day should be your time in prayer because you are communing with, you are gathering with the person who knows you the absolute best and yet still loves you the most. And notice here too that, that Jesus says, this is our father. It's not my father. It's not your father. This is, this is our father. Jesus is reminding us that, that we've been adopted into a family with brothers and sisters. And so we should remember them and love them and care for them and contend for them too as they are family of our father. Now, before we get all casual about God too as father, right? Jesus goes on. He says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. No, no one really uses that word anymore. Some people have no idea what that word means, right? But, but really, it means to reverence his name as holy, as sacred, as set apart and, a unique, and unique. Like, God, there is no one and nothing like you. The, the name of God is, is summing up everything that he's revealed to us about himself. Beginning at the burning bush when Moses asked him, what is your name? And God says, I am. That is my name. Right? I am the beginning and the end. I'm the self-existent one. No one created me. No one sustains me. I just am. I always have been and I always will be. And God reveals more of his names throughout the scriptures, right? We know some of these. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah uh, Rapha, our healer. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. El Shaddai, right? God Almighty and so on and so on. This is his name. And the idea here is that his name is to be exalted in us and through us, right, on the earth, that people would know who God truly is. We call on his name. We're saved by his name. We're baptized into his name. And his name is to be praised and, and exalted and held in honor. Uh, another way of saying this would be that, that God is magnified. King David writes in Psalm 34, 3, he says, Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, now think about that. What, what does it mean to magnify something? Think of a magnifying glass, right? Like, what does it do? Well, make something look bigger, right? But so how, how can you magnify the Lord? Like, like isn't the Lord infinite? Yeah, he, he is, but, but the question is, is he to us? And is he in our world? Th this idea is us getting rid of this small thinking about God, right? And him becoming greater to us and through us. The, the, the telescope, at the end of the day, doesn't make the moon bigger than it actually is, right? It just makes it look bigger to us so that we can see it more clearly and respond to it more fully. And so the prayer here is that the name of God be restored and exalted in us and in our world. Hallowed be your name, Jesus says. Verse 10, he says, your kingdom come and your will be done. Now, now we know like a kingdom is a place where a king rules and reigns. And that's the prayer that Jesus tells us to pray, right? It isn't God, get us out of here, out of earth and, and to your kingdom. It's, it's God, come. God, come. 
And this is the story of the Bible, isn't it? I mean, like we just looked at this at Christmas. This is what Advent and Christmas time are all about. It's, it's Jesus coming. It's heaven invading earth and, and, and Jesus coming to take back, right? And to restore and heal that which has been broken by sin and the devil. God is reclaiming his world and his creation, restoring us to who he made us to be and called us to be. And the, and the claim of Jesus is that he's doing that right? Remember some of Jesus' very first words as his ministry are repent. Why? He says, for the kingdom of heaven is here. So the kingdom in one sense has come, but but also the kingdom is presently coming. Jesus will say later in Matthew chapter 11 that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. Well, how is it advancing? Well, it's advancing through the gospel and through our witness, through mission. So, so really, in a sense, this is a missionary prayer too. It's like, God, may your kingdom spread across the entire world that your name may be exalted everywhere. But on top of that, there's also this future aspect to this prayer, right? Because Jesus is coming back again. And so we're praying for that too, saying, Lord, come, right? Your kingdom come. Yes, it's here, but we're asking for more and more of your kingdom rule to take, uh, to, 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 to reign in our lives, to reign in our world, to restore wholeness to your creation. Lord, not just your kingdom come, Jesus says, but your will be done. This is, this is a prayer of submission. Jesus modeled this very thing for us in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Before he goes to the cross, he says, Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass from me, right? But then he says, but not my will, but yours be done, right? See, see one of the great purposes of prayer is, is to realign my will to God's. Like, I'm not coming to prayer changing God's mind. God's changing me. Prayer is not about us overcoming God's reluctance. It's really about us grabbing hold of God's willingness. So, so, so we don't pray to get our will into heaven. We're praying to get God's will on the earth. Think about this, though. Like, do you really want him to come and rule? Or do you really just want to rule yourself? Like when you pray, are you asking God, 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 rule in my life? Are you mostly just telling him what to do and what's not fair and and what he needs to get done and trying to get him to do what you want him to do? And so really what you're saying is, is Lord, my kingdom come and my will be done rather than God come and rule. Do whatever you want to do, God. I just want to come under your lordship and do what you say. That's the prayer imagine what your life in our world would look like if this was the prayer that, that everybody was praying. So that's the first part, orienting ourselves and, and our allegiance to the Father and his kingdom, responding to his love and his grace and his generosity and lordship and being rooted in that. Then we turn our attention to these petitions and loving our neighbor. And there's, there's three things that Jesus tells us to ask and to bring to the Father each day. Bread, forgiveness, and deliverance, right? This part of the prayer is recognizing our humble dependence upon God for everything. It's bowing to the Lord and saying, God, I can't, Father, I can't, but you can. And Jesus starts in verse 11. He says, give us today our daily bread. Now, now, now bread here is really just about our basic physical necessities. It's the things that we need to live. 
And, and this phrase would have certainly reminded the hearer in that day of another time, God's people depended on him for their basic needs. Back in the Old Testament, right? After God had freed his people from slavery in Egypt and they're out in the wilderness. I don't know if you remember that story, right? But, but each day God provides for them uh, food. It's called manna that's on the ground. It was there when they wake up and all they needed to do was collect it. But, 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 but the deal was that they were just to take enough for their family for that day. In, in fact, if they would take more than a day, if they took two days worth of food, that food would get moldy and have worms in it and be spoiled and no good. And, and what was God teaching them? God was teaching them that, that to come to him daily for their provision and to see everything that they were given as a gift from God. See, see like, there's something about a mindset of just the basics, right? Food and shelter and relationships, right? To just see these as, as a total gift that I've not earned, that I don't deserve, that God has given to me out of his love and his goodness that changes me. And it changes how we see stuff. This is why the us here in, the, in Jesus' prayer is so intentional. Right? And we see this with the disciples later in the early church in Acts. What do we find the disciples doing with their stuff? It tells us, right, that they're sharing it, that they're, that they're giving, that they're, they're giving to those in need all kinds of things, right? Because it's all just a gift from him. It's, it's his, right? I have more than I need. They're going, I don't, this doesn't belong to me. This belongs to God. So, so I, I'm totally free to give this. It's all a gift. This prayer is meant to both inspire gratitude from us and generosity from us. It's a prayer of, of both gratitude to God and of generosity in response. And it's really kingdom-minded and countercultural, isn't it? Right? Like, have you ever prayed this kind of prayer and actually meant it? God, uh, just give me what I need for today. Right? And anything more than God, I, just, I, I can give to those who need. M my guess is that a lot of us would actually be mad at God if he actually did this. My guess is that for most of us, our prayer is like, God, give me more than I need, right? So I got more than enough to, to do whatever I want, to go out to eat whenever I want, to go on vacation whenever I want, to retire when I'm ready, right? Like all that, right? Jesus says, pray this, God, give me my daily bread. This reminds me of a passage in Proverbs chapter 8, where the author says this, beginning in verse 7, he says two things. This is Solomon, the wisest person who ever lived. He says, two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. He says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Listen, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. <sighs> you ever prayed that kind of prayer, right? Like give me neither riches nor poverty, God. Just give me what is needed. Anybody? Hey, don't let me be so poor that I'm hungry, that, that, that leads me to sin against you, to steal, right? To dishonor your name, God. But, but, but God, don't let me have too much either. Like, like, don't give me so much that it causes me to disown you. Don't give me so much that, that, that it causes me to, to, to choose other things above you. The God, to stop looking to you and depending on you. Don't let me have that much. God, just give me my daily bread. See, 
See, many of us have memorized Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? But in reality, we spend our whole lives wanting because Jesus isn't really enough. Because our daily bread isn't enough. Jesus is attempting to reorient us here to see everything in our life as a gift from the Father and an opportunity to serve others, right? Give us today our daily bread. And he says, points us to forgiveness. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now that's a scary, I, I thought get, daily bread was a rough one. How about this prayer, right? Like think about that. God, forgive me in the same way that I forgive others. That's the prayer. This is like you're asking God for that. How many times do we pray while being angry towards somebody or holding on to some kind of bitterness or offense towards somebody? I know I have before, right? And then I tell God, like, when I say this prayer, God, forgive me like I forgive. Forgiveness is obviously the heart of God and the way of his kingdom because this is what Jesus shows us, right? Like Jesus who goes to the cross to absorb in himself all the consequences of our sin, right? But only he doesn't get even, he forgives. It's on the cross that Jesus looks and he says, Father, forgive them. And then he invites us to receive what he did in his forgiveness and in turn that forgiveness to extend out in the world that we would forgive as we've been forgiven. And keep in mind here, forgiveness doesn't mean that what someone did is good or okay or that you trust them now or there's reconciliation, right? Reconciliation requires two people humbling themselves, owning what they've done and extending grace and, and forgiveness and restoring the relationship over time. But forgiveness only takes me. Okay, And it's me giving up the right to retaliate and to get even or to be hurtful and choosing that because Jesus gave that up for me. To forgive is a choice more than a feeling. And it's giving that sin and it's giving that person to the Lord and saying, God, here, they're yours, right? Like this is yours so that I'm, I'm free from being directed by them and that sin, right? And I'm able to see them again as an image bearer of God and to proclaim God's blessing and goodness and grace upon their life. Forgiveness is so essential and central to the heart of Jesus that he follows this up in verses 14 and 15. He says, listen, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Leave it to Jesus to say something so big, right? Uh, apparently for Jesus, the, 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 like, like one of the greatest signs that the grace of God has really penetrated your heart and your mind is your ability to both receive and to give forgiveness. He, he doesn't say like if you struggle to forgive and he doesn't say that, that if it takes you time to forgive. He just says if you refuse to forgive, if you don't forgive, what you're showing is that you've not really received the grace of God yourself because a forgiven person is a forgiving person. And, and this is the heart of the gospel, right? And Jesus knows this is hard for us. And so, so he gives us this prayer to pray every day to God, give us uh, strength and power to forgive like you have forgiven me. Finally, right, Jesus says in verse 13, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The last thing Jesus wants us to get in light of this prayer, right, in this pursuit is this, expect 
opposition. It, expect it to be hard. Expect difficulty, right? Expect uh, temptation, right? And the, and the best way for us to understand this is through Jesus himself, right? Where, where he was led into temptation and testing was delivered from the evil one. Two stories, two times we see this. The first one beginning uh, in his early ministry, right? Where he's, where he's led into the desert, the scriptures tell us. And the second is, is there in the Garden of Gethsemane before the cross. And in both of these, Jesus was led into a test. And what was being tested? Well, in both the wilderness and the garden, it was his allegiance and submission to the Father that were tested. It, it was whether he was going to submit himself to the will and the way of God or he was going to go his own way. If, if he was going to try and bring about an earthly kingdom through force and power and violence or, or, or a heavenly kingdom through sacrificial love and humility and service and forgiveness and grace. Now, do you think that like these times of testing were, were fun for Jesus? Do you think that they were enjoyable? No, right? Like, like these were tough, right? Like 40 days in the wilderness, no food. And it, Jesus is sweating blood. The scriptures tell us in the garden, right? From all the stress that was happening. These were really hard, challenging, difficult times. But did Jesus remain faithful through them? Yeah, he did. Jesus knows that difficult times are going to come. In fact, he tells us in John 16, 33, he says that in this world, you will have trouble. Trials and testing and temptation, it's going to come. And we have permission to ask God in earnest request, God, I don't want to go through that. God, I don't want this. Jesus said that very thing to the Father in the garden, right? He asked the Lord, he said, Father, if there's any way for this cup to be that can, that can pass for me. And he asked him multiple times. But in the end, he, he comes to this place of surrender. So, so he asked that God not lead him into the test, but he knows that in God's wisdom and grace, that this is how the kingdom is going to come. And so the second part of the prayer is, if I'm going to go through the test, then Father, deliver me by your power and your presence. Help me to resist and to remain faithful to you. When the voices come to call into question God's love and his goodness and his care for you, like Jesus, let me, ref let me reject those voices. Let me trust that if the Father is going to lead me into the trial, that he's going to deliver me through it too. That he will make a way out, right? And so Jesus acknowledges that every day we need to be reminded that following him is hard and that great tests and trials and temptation will come our way. And, and to know that these aren't signs that the Father has abandoned us, but instead uh, that he's actually with us and that he will deliver us in some way. First Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. It says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted but beyond what you can bear. Do you see that? God is faithful. It doesn't say you're faithful. It says God's faithful. And, and he will not allow. He will not permit. He will not let you. That's, that's like filter language, right? There's a limit to what the enemy can do. And it says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God makes a way. God delivers us. R remember the story of Job and Satan's frustration with God, right? He says, like, you've put this hedge around him so that I can't touch him. That, that's a filter, right? That's, that, that, that God is our protector. 
When you pray, God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, you're praying God's filter in your life. Like, God, guard me. God, protect me from evil. God, protect me from myself. God, protect me from my sin. And when trials and testing come, help me to hold fast to you and to trust you, knowing that you're going to deliver me in time and that you will make a way through. This is the Lord's Prayer. This is his gift to us, to align our hearts and our lives to him and and to join him in his kingdom movement in our world. Jesus says to us, listen, pray like this. And and, and so that's the invitation for us. Uh, This this is the invitation for us to to pray this prayer that Jesus has given to us. And so so here's how I want to challenge you going forward. We're, like I said, we're going to be in this season of prayer uh, for this entire month. And I, I want to just invite you and challenge you to take up this prayer from Jesus, not, not just to say these words, right? Like that would be easy. And some of us have done that for God knows how long in our own life. We said these words without even really knowing what they mean, but, but to take Jesus' prayer and to really pray it proactively, right? Maybe, and if you'd be so bold to just say, you know what, for the, for, for the rest of this month, every day, I'm going to pray this prayer and, and, and make it your own, right? Like, like use the words Jesus gave you, but, but let those words inspire you to, to contend for the things of God's heart and see how the Lord not only stirs your affection for him, but how he moves you towards other people too. So that's it. I, I want to just pray and I want to, I want to just pray this prayer. In closing today, I invite you to pray with me. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, God, thanks for loving us so much. God, thanks for being so close. God, thanks for your grace and your mercy towards us. God, thanks for your affection towards us. God, thank you that you invite us to come to you as dad. Lord, remind us today, Lord, that your Father who loves us, who's with us. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, may your name, God, be exalted in our hearts, God. Lord, may your name be exalted through us. Lord, help us to be a people, God, who magnify your name. God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, Lord, Lord, I just pray for that you would rule and reign in hearts. God, that you would rule and reign in my heart, that you'd rule and reign in in the hearts, God, of people across the the, the whole nation, Lord, that that across the whole world, Lord, that we would uh, submit, God, ourselves to your lordship, Lord, that, that, God, we would follow after you, Lord, that we would, uh, Lord, surrender our will to yours. God, to go where you lead us, to say yes to you, God. Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us today our daily bread. God, you know what we need. God, I thank you today for every provision. God, I thank you that you meet every need, Lord, at exactly the right time. And Lord, I I pray too, God, that for hearts of gratitude, of thanksgiving, Lord, that we just say thank you. Thank you, Father, for your generosity. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being our provider. 
Give us today our daily bread. Lead us. And forgive us, Lord, our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our debts, Lord, as we forgive our debtors. God, thanks for your grace. Thanks for your mercy. And God, I pray that you would help us, God, to be a people who extend your grace and mercy to those around us. Lord, that we lay down our pride and our offense and our bitterness. God, that we, Lord, walk in your grace and forgiveness and your freedom that comes with that. Lord, help. Thank you for your forgiveness in our own life, Lord. God, I pray that that anything anyone's holding on to right now, God, any any sin that we've been holding, Lord, that we could just lay that at your feet right now. Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive those around us. Lord, if there's anybody, too, that we're holding on to something against, Lord, you just cause, remind us of that even now, Lord, and put that at your feet. Lord, maybe reach out to them. <laughs> Lord, lead us in that, I pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, I pray your protection over hearts and minds. God, that you would guard us. And Lord, that as we do go through times of testing and trial and temptation, Lord, that we would trust in you. God, that we would hold on to you, God. That we would remain faithful, Jesus, as you were faithful. Lord, and that we would know, God, that you will see us through. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.